hey, I'm Allison, host of Fine Cut, a podcast where a guest brings a scene they have strong feelings about, love, hate, curiosity, from any form of media. And then we discuss the heck out of it for 20 minutes. It's a blast. Join us. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me for Fine Cut. I'm Allison, and this week, month, whatever three-week period, L.L. Kirshner, author and award-winning screenwriter, is joining me, and I'm so excited to talk to her about the scene she chose. So, L.L., what scene did you choose and why? Well, I chose an episode, and now is it the third episode of the second season of Fleabag? Oh, dear. I'm not sure, but I think if you just, we can just say what it was about because the go second episode, the second Her. season of yeah. Fleabag, um, this, the, the scene in particular where um, Fleabag meets Kristen Scott Thomas, who is receiving an award at an event that her very high powered sister is throwing and they meet up at the bar afterward and in very short order, Thomas just dissects everything that is wrong with women's awards and the way that the world views menopause and uh, the whole, yes. she, she even turns Fleabag down, which like nobody yes. has done. Yes, Fleabag kisses her, in fact, and she's rebuffed. Um, I wanted to rewatch the whole series when you first told me we were going to talk about this because I, I just love it so much. I did not watch rewatch the whole series, but I did last night rewatch this episode, which is just so brilliant. And I think when I, I sometimes forget how funny Fleabag is, like how genuinely hilarious she is. And, um, she is even in this conversation. Sorry. So good. She is the master of the unexpected. Yes. And that's what I love. I, she manages to take me by surprise every time and she does it regularly, but it never feels hokey or over the top. That's, that's what She's I was going to say. Naturally. Yeah. It always feels earned. Yes. You know, it doesn't feel like, oh, you're just doing this for a laugh. Like it's, uh, and so this conversation, I was like, have I heard two other women talk about menopause ever? Have I? I couldn't think of anything. There's blank in my brain. Um, yeah, I'm sure I, you know, it, like, it, it no. may have happened somewhere. I, I bet if somebody has, it's like Tina Fey or it it will be Kristen Wiig. Yeah, or talking <laughs> about it, again. like the curse or how difficult it is. Like I've never heard anybody talk about menopause like this. And I, I loved, so if you haven't watched Fleabag, I am envious of you that you get to watch it for the first time. Um, you should probably go watch it because we're going to talk about in detail what happens here. And I love how she talks about menopause. Like it's a gift. Yes. It's hard. Yes. Things happen, but then we are free of the pain. Right. That we've been the greatest free. line. Yes. The whole, her whole conversation about women in pain, I felt like so seen because I feel, and I think many of us do, that what we go through on a monthly basis or that what we go through in childbirth or all the, that it's minimized, you know, that it's, that it's just seen as, oh, what, what a woman does. And whether that you agree with that point of view or not, it's still hard. It's still very difficult. But what I also loved, and this is sort of the humanity, this is the earned 
element maybe was that at the end of it, when um, uh, Kristen Scott Thomas was sort of lamenting the fact that parties weren't the same now that she went to parties and nobody was really flirting with her anymore. And uh, she says, I miss that and don't take that for granted. And Fleabag sort of wrinkles her nose and she's like, except people are shit, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Kristen Thomas gets very serious and she's like, but people are all we've got. And that is, it's, I mean, I, I often feel conflicted by those two, those two very things, you know, the, the sort of earnestness of our human uh, ecology is so fragile, right? The, the bonds that hold us together, it's, it's very fragile. And yet it feels like it's so often abused and it makes you yeah. want to not take part, but it is all that we have. Yeah. And I think obviously the pandemic really brought that into sharp focus because so suddenly you are isolated and if you live alone you're alone um and well can i ask you a question yeah though did you prefer the first season or the second season and i i'm curious about this hmm. i'd have to like watch it again to do a really informed opinion i i think i probably i think i thought the second season was a masterpiece when i finished watching it i was really I impressed with how she dealt with issues of faith in a way, and I don't feel like people talk about faith very much, considering, especially in this nation, it's the centerpiece of what is happening politically. And I think many times we don't really discuss faith. And that's part of the reason that I actually appreciate 12 step recovery, because there are conversations about faith and it isn't one system of, mm -hmm. of that. Like there is room to have your idea of what your higher power is. And see, that's what I loved about my many travels to India is that yeah. Hinduism and the, the first of all, there is a different bombastic expression of religious love on every corner. Yeah. But even within Hinduism itself, they worship different gods at different times of the day. Each sect has its own different story and nobody is sort of fighting about it, saying this is right and this is wrong. And in fact, in this very episode, I love that scene on the bench and I realize we're getting outside the one scene that we're talking <laughs> about, but um, she is saying, well, how can you, how can you believe it? It's, and he, he says, it's just a story. It's a moral code that we try to live by. And the, the, the doubt is part of the experience. That is part of the deal. I think is how he puts it. Yeah. And it's just, it's also humanizing and so smart and funny. And uh, I just appreciate that show so much. Um, but, you know, it's interesting because I wonder how I would feel about it now. I, I watched Fleabag the first season. It was not long after my own mother had passed away. Oh. And so it meant so much to yeah. me. And I just, I hold that so dear. And the second season, I thought it was good, but I felt disappointed by the the sexy priest moniker. I was like, there's, that's not what that's about. And I kind of, I, so I sort of, now I feel like I want to rewatch it without all that in the uh, zeitgeist. I think I am going to rewatch it. I do think that this, like me, just watching that episode last night, I, oh, man, it's very impressive what she mm -hmm. accomplishes with this show. And, and so funny. And it's so hard to be funny and to talk and, about things. And earnest. Yes. <laughs> like she never punches down. She's not cynical. She is always seeking. And I just love that. Um, yeah. And, and, and I that, get why she didn't do more. Like, you know, everybody wanted me more. Too. And I get it because she's like, no, this is what it is. And, yeah. and it is perfection. 
And so I, I get it. Um, and I do feel like it's a very particular time in a woman's life, especially if you're a single woman, because I was a single woman when I was 33 years old as well. And so I can relate to that. You're trying to, you know, you know, slough off the, the angsty, you know, man hunting of your 20s. And you're looking ahead at, at what's to come. And th I think that's why that scene with with Thomas is just so genius, the, the two of them talking about what it means to be a woman in business and how uh, uh, the, the change of life and the pain and um, even the uh, the flirting like it just it encompasses all of it. Well, and I loved when she asked when when Belinda, I think that's the character Thomas plays, asks Fleabag how old she is and she says 33 and she says, oh, it'll get better. <laughs> I just thought it made me laugh so hard because I think lots of times people look at 33 year olds and think, oh, wow, they really like have it all or, or they do that with 20 year olds or teenagers or whatever. And, and I think if you, for me personally, if you honestly reflect back on that time, it was hard. I mean, my twenties were hard. My teens were harder. Like I'm like the person who goes backwards. Life was the hardest when I was tiny and then got increasingly better, but it was still bad, bad back then. Um, and great, you're young, but it it's it's nice to have some consciousness or like acceptance of who I am. And I think that's kind of what she's talking about there. Like this will get better. You will come to know who you are and mm -hmm. what your powers are and what you value. And 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 that is really painful when you're grappling with like, because Fleabag is obviously grappling with really big questions. Well, and it's such an interesting idea, the idea, and it's sort of almost presages a lot of the gender identity uh, that has co come to be more prominent in our cultural conversation than it was, say, when that came out, which is this idea that you're a person. You're not a woman in business anymore. You get to be a person and it's really freeing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I even love that joke. What's your favorite period film? Carrie. <laughs> that would be great. Um, that is a good joke. I mean, there are balances. I mean, that is my ideal. If you want to know the truth, like I try to, I try to talk about deep things in an entertaining way yeah. because nobody wants a, a a lesson shoved at them. And I never come away from Fleabag feeling like it's a lesson. But I will tell you for sure, I I think about the the way that she presents topics. It it gives me a different insight or window into, uh, yes, the topics that she covers, which yes. are the experience of being a woman in modern society yes and it's a deeply feminist show but it doesn't feel like oh what well, here we're gonna get feminist you know it's just kind of yeah. like it just is because of who she is and the radical acceptance of that person like just diving deep into them and all of their contradictions right. and pro like but they're all but she's not afraid to be to be critical of uh it's not sort of just this raw raw women no. right i mean she has genuine issues with her sister and with the woman who is marrying her father right i mean even the fact that they bring that artwork back in the second <laughs> season that she stole in the first season i just love that so much yes and yes. i mean gosh olivia coleman in that role as the Oh, she's so unlikable. Amazingly good. With so little, mm -hmm. you know, it's, and that's the thing to everyone in that show. It's, it's very impressive. The performances because they tell you who they are really quickly and, you know, and, um, 
I read a right, thing. Like even when Kristen Scott Thomas looks at the sister Claire and says, uh, God, you're tasteful. Yeah. <laughs> she just dismisses her kind of like that. <laughs> I know. And then the thing she says about courgettes, like she is very, uh, you know, she's witty. Um, but I read a thing with Kristen Scott Thomas saying that being on that show was such a joy that she loved shooting that cameo. And I can, you can feel that, I think, in the scene, this sort of like, I don't really think women as much as they should get an opportunity to talk in on camera or, you know, in media about things that are meaningful to them. Oftentimes the conversations are about other things. And this conversation, like you said, covers flirting, aging, menopause, women in business, you know, all of these things that I think take up quite a bit of our, like our bandwidth about what we're thinking about. Um, yeah. And I love that. I love that she hit that Fleabag tries to offer herself to Kristen Scott Thomas. And she's like, nah. Um, and I remembered the scene differently. I thought she had actually turned her down because she was like, I don't want to get into this with you, you know, but she plays it off that she's too tired, but I still do feel like she is turning her down because it's, it's too much drama. You yeah. know, like she's, she doesn't well, she did that. say you're not my type. Yeah, she did very, very early And on. I think that type was a little bit older, honey. Because <laughs> would you want to get together with a 33-year-old? I mean, God, I don't have the energy for that. <laughs> well, especially her. She's oozing need. Yes. You know, I mean, she is that. We all have been that person, I think. And we all know those people where they just need somebody to, like, fill them up. You know, and she's like, no, 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 I don't, I'm too old for this shit. Um, and it was just, it's a, I'm just so glad you picked this show. When you wrote me Fleabag, I was like, yes, because I, I yeah, could talk really about any fan. scene. Pardon me? I could talk about any scene. Me too. That's, that's the thing. But this one, it really struck me um, for so many reasons, uh, but most, most particularly because of the fact that People don't talk about menopause. I went through a very early menopause. And uh, when I tried to talk to people about it, they acted because at my I was 38 and it was oh, as yeah. if I had a communicable disease. My friends were like, oh no, we don't talk about that. So I love seeing it, you know, talked about with a younger woman mm -hmm. in a in an empowering way in particular. Yes. With uh, no shame. Because right. there should be no shame associated with it. It's part of life. We're all gonna go through it. Everyone who's menstruating, this is on the menu. Right. You know, but it's treated like it's so funny how oftentimes things are just like if we don't talk about it, it won't happen. And then it does happen and you're very ill prepared for it. Well, I think this is part of the culture of expecting women not to age, frankly. Yeah. That's don't true. have great hair, don't yes. get lined skin, and yeah. you know, God forbid, don't lose your fertility. Uh, and <laughs> yes, please be able to carry children till you're dead. Yes. Uh. <laughs> or at least look like it. I mean, and, yeah. and yeah. the expectation just is not there for men. Mm -hmm. And I participate. I mean, I color my hair. I'm on TV. So I feel like I need to, you know, wipe yeah. my teeth, color my hair, you know, tr try to uh, appear. I think everyone has their line, right? Like everyone does things that like whatever it is. I mean, you take care of your skin. You don't eat all, everything you might want to eat. You don't, you know, whatever it is, all the different, like everybody has something they do. I mean, I'm vain. I care. I'd like mm -hmm. to say that I don't care at all because I don't care as much as some people, but I do care. 
Yeah. And, and to deny that I care is like, I mean, why am I doing that? That's another performance. Mm. I care for myself. That's who I really care for. I want to look in the mirror and feel like that's me in there. And like mm. that is slowly changing and evolving. But I, yeah, I'd like to revisit this conversation in like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> why? Well, how is it going to change in 10 years? Well, I just think, I just think about how I um, look now versus how I looked 10 years ago. And I almost feel like I care more about it now than I did 10 years ago. And I'm curious. It's about a curiosity, not a pre not a not a presupposed yeah, uh, no, I, different. But it's I do wonder, you know, how will I feel about it 10 years from now? Gosh, I hope I have, you know, gotten over this. Uh, this I hope this is more of a bump that sort of looking at myself and always thinking, oh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's part of what's so powerful about this. I mean, she also looks amazing, which you have to kind of take that okay. like, right. um, sure you're 58. Um, I mean, she is, but like, you know, she's not an average 58 year old woman, uh, in that right. scene. And, but I, I appreciate even talking about this because I think people don't, I don't want to be judgmental of other people's choices, obviously, but I also don't want to pretend that people aren't making choices. Mm -hmm. We're all making choices. And I think something that is difficult is that, you know, inside, I feel a different age sometimes and I may seem on the outside and I will feel it like hitting me, you know, by how people react to me. It's like, oh yeah, I'm like totally a mom. That's what I am to you. But I'm actually a person who <laughs> just is in the world as myself and, right. and how that, how you sort of look on the outside and how that kind of can chafe with the outside world. Well, know? I think for a long time, I felt like my age was 19. Like that was my age. And I feel like that has shifted. And now if you ask me, well, how old do you feel? I don't really have a good answer for that right now. Like for a long time, I'd be like, I feel like I'm still 19 years old. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like that anymore. But what age do I feel like? I'm not sure. In some part, because I think, you know, my, my 30s, we're not great. And I don't want to think I'm that age because I'm like, yeah, but I wasn't very happy. Right. Yeah. So. Which is why I would never be 19 by the way. But, um, <laughs> um, I think I do sort of feel I'm 49. I mean, I basically feel like my age, but I, I'm not articulating it right, but it's just this kind of like, I just, I just sort of want to feel at peace with myself. Mm -hmm. so I do want to accept what I look like in this time. And I do want to love this person. Mm -hmm. But of course, like I still use lots of moisturizer and I still exert, you know what I mean? Like I also yeah. am accepting that there is a level of vanity with that. Like, I guess I want to look what I think the best version. I don't know if it's the best, but it's just kind of, it's something you have to think about more as you age where a 33 year old flea bag is not thinking about these things, the way that 58 year old Thomas is. And right. I think for me, that is also what the conversation is about you yeah. get, you, you do get some, you, you gain things from aging. And I liked that the conversation was about that too, because you do gain things. I'm a much happier person than I was. Oh my gosh. Me too. So much happier, so much calmer, so much less questioning of my place in the world. And right. I, I mean, when I was 19, it was just when I first got sober. So it was actually a good right. age for me. Yeah. And, uh, I was so young. Well, I was young. I was a low bottom drunk anyway. <laughs> I managed. <laughs> uh, 
it's an interesting thing I just realized recently because a lot of people expect that somehow I was high functioning and then I end up with people who want to work with me that are high functioning and I have a hard time relating I'm like I don't know if you couldn't jog maybe you should be drinking <laughs> like if your morning jog got challenging I, I I don't know do you really need to be here I don't if you don't feel like doing the work maybe you don't need to I'm saying this to you. I would never say those words to a person I was working with, but like, honestly, it makes me question like, I, uh, but I for sure am a happier version of myself and much, I guess because of all the, and I'm 56. So all the things that I've been through to get where I am, I feel much less vulnerable and susceptible to the world knocking me down. I think that was the thing. I felt like, oh, everything is so tentative for such a long time. And then I got to a point where I realized, oh, if I made it through that, I'm fine. There's nothing you can take from me that is going to um, destroy me. Yes. And I also got so much better at, if you don't like me, that's okay. Yeah. Everyone doesn't have to like me. I don't like everybody. If you don't like the choices I'm making with my life, that's okay. I'd like rather know that you don't like the choices. Like I just used to really want to be liked. Yes. And I would, for that, I would also say that's a better, but not, I'm not impervious. I I don't want people to not like me. No, that (laughs) is also exhausting. Trying to get everyone to like you is exhausting. Having everyone not like you is also exhausting. I mean, you know, that's not a fun way to move through the world, but, um, I, I definitely don't spend as much energy filtering for others' preferences as I once did. That's a good way to put it. That's a really good way to put it. And I, when I see someone like Phoebe Waller-Bridge writing material like that, and uh, it's, that is so impressive to me because I don't, I couldn't have done that. I, when I was 33, I would not have had the wisdom to write those characters and there's a writer's room surely. And there are multiple people that are contributing. Um, nonetheless, uh, there's just so much maturity in the, the concept, the overall concept. Yes. (laughs) Because I don't know that I saw myself as fragile as now I look back and see that I was. Um, and some of that is being raised a Gen Xer, feeling like I'm not a victim, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. That's our logo. Right. I'm fine. Yeah. But what's funny is that's something that everyone says now. You know, somebody counts out the wrong change and you're like, wait, I think that's 12 cents, not nine. And they're like, you're fine. It's like, well, I know I am actually, it's, you miscounted. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> yeah. So I, it's time to wrap up. Do we have any last thoughts? I just want to thank you again for joining me and bringing this show back into my world. I'm looking forward to rewatching it. I have to give time between rewatches. Otherwise I don't have the real experience. So I feel like I've given it enough time and I'm excited to watch it again. So thank you. Yeah. After this conversation, I actually want to rewatch the whole second season because like I said, it was filtered for me through, well, I just, that first season, it was so meaningful to me because I had a a boyfriend who died and it's not the same thing as a girlfriend who died, but nonetheless, it was a very jarring experience. Um, And it was much later than that, that my mother died, but there was just so much, you know, when you experience the death of someone close to you, it brings up death of other people who have been close to you. And all that was very close to the surface when I happened to, uh, you know, find this show. And uh, so it was so powerful, but I, 
But just watching that episode fully and appreciating, as you said, how genius it was, I am really looking forward to watching. Yeah, I'm just thinking again. of moments from it and they're making me laugh. But I also think the that- The fox, like yes, that, very, fox. even that last beat where oh, they both started yeah. at the same time. I was wondering like, what did they show over there? Did they like pull up a card or that it was a picture of a fox because they both have reacted so brilliantly. Well, and um, how he's the first one who notices that she goes away when she's doing oh, I love that too I could like sorry I made a sound um I love oh where'd you just go right now where'd you go and then she's sort of like you can see she's tempted to look back to ask you the viewer like what is he asking me but she doesn't she sort of is like uh nowhere you know yeah. and then by the end of course she's not doing it yeah it's which is why it's the genius ending to the show and yeah. that is kind of how that 30s mania fades out but for some of us not until we're 40. <laughs> never so 40 is good some people it's just you know it just goes on um but and i want to say about the grief i think a lot of things also don't really deal with grief and i appreciated that about the show that she came in with that right away and i just read um rob delaney's book um the heart that works and he because do you know rob delaney from Kentucky? yes and it's still in my tbr pile yeah that's great and his son died and it's a whole book about grief and recent grief like it's very much written from that place of this recent loss and I thought the show was too like this because it's a very different you're in a very different place when you just lose someone mm -hmm. but, but grief does not disappear and so no. I appreciate conversations about the many types of grief that we live through and and how it does affect the way you see the world, which I think she did a great, amazing job of. Like when you lose somebody, it does change the face of your world. Yes, and I believe that the heart does not make distinctions in grief. When you lose a pet, it can be as, as destabilizing as losing a parent or a partner. I uh, have had experiences like that. And so I don't have any judgment if somebody is bereft uh, about a, a loss and other people consider it trivial i don't understand why people bother with that judgment because those things can all be equally devastating agreed i don't really know anyone's weighing in on anyone's pain and its validity in general that's yeah. a, a general note i have for the world um, thank you <laughs> Let everyone just feel what Note they the world. Yeah. <laughs> if they're feeling something, that's okay. Right. Right. It does not diminish you. Right. <laughs> um, so Lisa LL, where can people find you after listening to this episode and wanting to know more about what your thirties and what you went through <laughs> and your whole life? Because there's, there's writing out there. They can find out. There is writing out there. You can find it on my website, which is llkirshner.com. Um, and I have a book coming out in September called Thinking, a memoir of overcoming the wellness revolution. And it's kind of about how I processed grief uh, over the loss of a marriage, the loss of my mother. I mean, it's sort of the time preceding being turned on to Fleabag and really coming into a happy period. Uh, <laughs> But it was that it was that extended long dark night of the soul. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's I'm I am looking forward to reading it. I we have some overlap, and I feel like there's so many opportunities to talk about the wellness quote unquote industry and how it can 
It can be helpful, but it can also prey on people and their Well, there are so many scenes I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah. From popular culture, Nine Perfect Strangers, The Vow. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, there's yeah. there's so much out there. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to your book and I'm so grateful we talked. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review and share it with someone. And we appreciate you being here. And thank you, Lisa. Thanks, Allison. My pleasure. Bye. Bye.